Welcome to True Crime Sucks, a podcast about the best and worst of true crime TV and documentaries. With your host, Adam Todd Brown. Hey, everybody. Welcome to True Crime Sucks, a podcast about the best and worst of true crime TV and documentaries. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. Joining me as guest co-host this week, Elise Golgowski's here. Hey, how's it going? I am doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. This is your first time on this show, I think, right? Yeah, I think so. Tell the people a little bit about yourself. I'm a comedian in Los Angeles. I do a lot of roast battle. So I had one roast battle clip go viral from the mothership. So that might be where some people saw me from. <laughs> Sorry, my cat's like trying to get into the, the closet. So I was like, what is that? Is it the devil? <laughs> <laughs> and he heard me say like, oh, you don't believe in possession, you stupid bitch. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and so really excited to be here. Hey, thank you for doing it. I appreciate it. We are talking about a documentary today called The Devil on Trial, which I picked this just kind of blindly because it's a new documentary on Netflix and we always got to be generating the content around here. So I was like, sure, that sounds interesting. We'll we'll cover it for this pod. And I did not realize that it is about one of the cases that inspired a Conjuring movie. Mm -hmm. And, oh man, do I hate the Conjuring movies so much. I hate the Warrens. I'm pretty sure they're in hell now. Do you think the movies are scary, though? Like, what is it you don't like about them? No, I don't think they're scary. And, I mean, I have such strong opinions about Ed and Lorraine Warren Uh that it kind of frames my interest in the conjuring movies okay but like the first one it was scary up until the point where you see the monster Mm -hmm. and i remember all the talk about this movie was like it's it's scary and you don't even see the monster for most of it and then when i finally saw it i was like well yeah i get why you don't see that monster it's just like a witch standing on a bookcase or something (laughs) it's like so fucking corny (laughs) and oh i've just i've hated the conjuring movies ever since damn all right are you a fan no because i don't really like scary stuff (laughs) i mean i i I like creepy things like i love the movie the thing you know that's like my favorite movie the original one but like man i don't know like there's something about i don't i don't believe in demon possession but at the same time it scares me you know like it I actually, when I first started doing stand-up, I had a, it was like the first joke I ever wrote was about being possessed. It was, uh, my biggest fear in life is being possessed, mainly because I don't want to have a demon come inside me and just say things like, fuck me up the ass. (laughs) I'd be cool with eating bugs. I'm just not, I'm just not that into anal. Right. I just (laughs) fucked up the punchline, but... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that does seem to be a concern after watching this. Yeah. Like, honestly, I think The Exorcist was uh, probably what, because I watched that when I was a young, you know, at a young age. So I think maybe yeah. that's what scared me about demon possession. Yeah, there was definitely something possessing this household, whether it was a demon or the antics of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
remains to be seen. But this documentary, it opens interviewing a guy named David Glatzel, who tells us he was possessed by the devil at the age of 11. And there's an interview with David and his brother Alan and his brother Carl. Alan is the middle brother. Carl is the older brother. There's also sister Debbie. And you could tell right away Debbie's probably dead because they're not. <laughs> they're talking about Debbie in the past tense. And I'm like, ooh, did the ghost get her? Yeah, yeah. But now nah, she just died. <laughs> and they're interviewing her fiance, Arn Cheyenne Johnson. If you're a fan of the Conjuring movies, that name should sound familiar because that is the killer in the third Conjuring movie who goes on trial and says, the devil made me do it. God, what a, what a great alibi. I wish I could use that more. I, got, I probably could, right? Because <laughs> I mean, at least in England. Yeah, that part. I mean, that's way at the end, but there's no reason we can't mention it now. Mm-hmm. Before this attempt at using the devil made me do it as a criminal defense, there's a news clip that mentions it had been tried three times in England and all three times it was successful and twice <laughs> it was for arson and the third time it was for rape. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, like with rape, people have blamed it on what the girl was wearing and gotten away with it. So I feel like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. They're like at this point, they're like, ah, fuck it. Yeah, sure. The devil did it. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't have a ton of time to look into it before we started recording, but I Googled around and could not find that story about the devil being used as a rape defense, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure this, that news footage didn't lie, but (laughs) yeah, I I need to know more about that case because that's fucking insane. So this all allegedly starts when young David, he's 11, 12, His sister, Debbie, rents a house with her boyfriend, Arn Cheyenne Johnson, who just going to call him Arn from now on. (laughs) And David is alone upstairs. He's helping clean. In the reenactment, they make this house look like it was abandoned and that Mm -hmm. Debbie and Arn are going to be squatting there. Like, it is horrifying. And he's just running a broom over it as if dust is the problem. There are (laughs) exposed wall beams like it is, there's no insulation. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. I can see why the devil would definitely possess that man. <laughs> yeah. That's where you want to hang out if you're the devil. Yeah. Right. The devil, you mean the, the squatter doing meth in my closet? <laughs> and yeah. It's while <laughs> David gets all weirded out and says they got to leave. He doesn't feel right. And later that night, he tells everyone what happened. He was in a bedroom alone, and he could feel some kind of presence in the room. And he gets thrown onto the bed by something, and then sees an entity that looks like the devil. And he said that figure told him to beware, and that it wants, its, it wants his soul, and that it's going to come for him. And the family is rightfully skeptical, because why wouldn't the devil just, like, you got him right there. You could just, like, take him. Yeah. Not to, not to like victim blame or be suspicious of this kid's story, but I don't trust this kid's story whatsoever. No, I was skeptical from the first line of the documentary (laughs) where where the kid's like, uh, she's like, I I love you or something. He's like, you're a douchebag. 
I feel like the devil would have better roast jokes, you know? <laughs> yeah, like the devil is going to be working with a mentality from like thousands of years ago. Like, yeah, right. Are they going to pull out those kind of fucking burns? He knows what a douchebag is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Yeah. But whenever you that. hear that, like, you don't imagine those sounds coming from a kid. But mm-hmm. also, if you've ever been in, like, a grocery store where a kid is losing their shit, you'll hear all kinds of sounds coming from kids. I know. I feel like I hear a demonic possession every time there's a sale <laughs> on candy. Exactly. <laughs> and so, a few nights later, David says he wakes up and feels a presence outside. And he looks out the window and sees a figure of some sort. And his mom calls a, a local religious man to come bless the house, Father Dennis. <laughs> he brings holy water and holy oil and incense. And that should have obviously fixed everything, in my mm-hmm. experience. That takes care of most household concerns. Yeah. But a few nights later, David wakes up screaming and says that this thing is coming for him. And the entire house starts shaking and there's lights flickering on and off. Arn describes it as like a UFO was flying over the house. And at this point, if you're not completely familiar with this story, which I've seen The Conjuring 3, but I didn't fucking care. So I don't (laughs) super duper remember it. At this point, you might be watching this and thinking, well, what motivation would Arn have to lie? Because Mm -hmm. David is definitely saying, well, the house was shaking, lights were flickering off. And Arn is like, yeah, man, they sure were. You, you wouldn't wouldn't believe it. All the brothers all kind of concur, except Carl, who we don't yeah. we don't hear from Carl in this moment. But we do find out later they kind of have reason to lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, also since now we have confirmation that aliens are real, maybe it was a UFO. It wasn't the devil after all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> maybe the devil's been getting blamed for alien shit this whole time. Right, man. I bet he's pissed. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the point where I realized this was The Conjuring 3 because Ed and Lorraine Warren show up and I was like, oh yeah, that's what this is. And I was at first very angry because I thought this was just going to be like the documentary version of The Conjuring 3, but also in a way that like glorifies Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah. And... I don't need more of that. Like Ed and Lorraine Warren were, they were con artists, basically. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't, I, cause like, to be honest, I had looked them up after I watched like the Conjuring movies, but I never really saw anything that was just like, yeah, these people are, these people are douchebags. <laughs> like, I never saw anything like that. It always seemed like, oh yeah, they were, you know, it, it, everything about them I found put them in a positive light. So it was interesting watching this documentary then when you kind of, it kind of like exposes that they're just, you know, doing it to sell books and stuff. Yeah. But, but like, I always thought it was weird that, you know, they have a house collecting all these, the most evil artifacts known to man, but yeah, it's there. Everything's protected in that house. I don't, I I never understood that. Like that just makes no sense to me. Yeah. They'll say things like, you have to say goodbye to a haunted object when you leave the room. But oh, you're yeah. right. They also have these rooms filled with 
countless haunted objects. And they're not going around like Bill Clinton getting off Air Force One, shaking hands with <laughs> each of those haunted items on the way out. They just fucking leave. Although yeah. I did go to Zach Bagan's Haunted Mansion in mm-hmm. Las Vegas, which, I mean, if you don't like scary stuff, it won't be all that interesting, but it was actually pretty fucking cool. And really? it's like a guided tour. And as you get deeper and deeper into it, people start like dropping off and not wanting to go in each room. And that's especially the case when they get to the Peggy the doll room where they're like, all right, if you go in there, if you talk to Peggy, you have to say goodbye to Peggy or mm-hmm. Peggy will follow you home. Like, Jeez. and they talk about that in this documentary too. the Warrens are constantly saying shit like, well, that's the opening. You have to like, if there's an opening, you have to close it and all of that shit. And I don't know, they, at least on that haunted mansion tour, they really build up the drama to where when we got in the room, I looked at everyone else and was like, are we going to talk? And <laughs> like they're shaking their heads. No, as if like I have, we haven't fucked that up already. I'm already yeah, talking. Yeah. And then everyone on the way out was like, goodbye, Peggy. And none of us are haunted now. Well, that was like the, in Key West, there was like the Robert the Doll or something. Have yes. you heard about that one? Okay. Yeah, that one kind of freaked me out. When like, Because I do like hearing about this creepy stuff, but it always gives me anxiety and then I have nightmares. Well, but, I, um, a listener of the Pretty Scary podcast sent me a Robert the Doll from the gift shop in Key West that sells them. And... <laughs> I eventually just like it weirded people out too much. So I got rid of it and me and my wife both did say goodbye to Robert before we got rid of it, but (laughs) our dog could not. And our dog died about six weeks later. Oh my God. It was very odd. And I got like a stomach thing that lasted about three months, but unrelated. That's stupid. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure your Robert the doll's happy in whatever landfill he ended up. <laughs> waiting for someone else to haunt. It'll be right? a seagull or something. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Like some like I know this maybe is incentive going down to Skid Row and you see like a Robert just hanging out there. <laughs> Should go check. If it right? just makes its way back here someday. Right. Just donate. Otherwise, give me money. <laughs> Otherwise, Robert's going to get you. That'd be a really good scheme, actually. If anyone on Skid Row is listening, I think you should uh, invest in a Robert the doll. <laughs> yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. You could probably get me with that. Yeah. <laughs> right. I remember in college, this homeless guy would uh, come up to us and be like, have you met Kitty? And we're like, oh, my God, No. And then he'd just like open his jacket and there'd be a kitten in his jacket. He's like, kitty's hungry. Kitty needs some food. <laughs> and then you just see this adorable guy. So you're like, fine, here, take all my money. Now that I would try. <laughs> yeah. I have a cat. I don't know if she's going to fit in any <laughs> internal pockets. We're going to have something. Yeah. something all my cats are fat now, so I can't pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> they talked to the grandson of Ed and Lorraine Warren in this, Chris McKinnell. And I feel like I've talked to him, but maybe not. I know Mm -hmm. on the Pretty Scary podcast, we talked to someone who was a family of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah. But I don't remember if it was Chris, but whatever the case, the Warrens were involved in the crime. 
that inspired the Amityville horror, not like involved in that they participated in the murder, just they were involved in the story and the claims that whoever did it was possessed by a demonic spirit. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where they got famous. Yeah. Was all this, did this stuff take place before or after the Exorcist movie? I'm just curious. This would have all been after, because The Exorcist was pretty early in the 70s. I want to say 1972? Yeah. 73, it looks like. Okay. So, yeah, all of this is after The Exorcist, which I feel like The Exorcist did kind of kick off, not exactly the satanic panic, which didn't happen for like another like 10 years maybe, but definitely a renewed interest in demonic spirits and Mm -hmm. things of the like, like in the eighties, like I grew up in the eighties and damn demons and demonic possession and satanic stuff was just so prevalent. And you even see it in this documentary. There's like talk show hosts who are interviewing the mom in this family and talking about her kid who was possessed by a demon, just like so matter of factly. Yeah. I mean, for all I know, she could have been on like the 700 club or whatever Pat Robertson's fucking network was <laughs> where I'm sure that would have all been more normal. Cause I didn't recognize the guy. I wasn't like, Oh shit, that's Dan rather. Yeah. But someone was taking this shit seriously. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I thought was interesting. The other son kind of knows what's up was saying like, Oh yeah, we never went to church until this thing started happening. So it's interesting to me that, you know, her kid starts acting up. And the first thing she does is like, Oh, let me call a priest up. And sage the house. Yeah, let me call a priest. And then when the priest doesn't work out, they go talk to their tarot card doing neighbor. Yeah. And she's like, call a psychic investigator. And that's how they land on Ed and Lorraine Warren. I kind of feel like the mom knew about Ed and Lorraine Warren going in. Oh, no, I I think so, too. 100%. She was just hoping someone would be like, have you heard about Ed and Lorraine? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because like my family, I uh, I grew up Methodist, so we went to church pretty regularly every Sunday. And I feel like if I were to act up, my dad would still get the belt before he would call the priest up. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, the Warrens come and investigate. David is 12 at this point, And Ed Warren talks about using religious provocation to get this demon to show itself. It mm-hmm. says, if, if you have power, I need you to knock on the table three times. And everyone swears that the, the room starts shaking again, which I don't know. Maybe it did. I wasn't there. All right. That was the same time the, the train went by. <laughs> <laughs> and Lorraine says there's a large black mass standing next to David and that it's not a ghost. It's a demonic entity. Uh-oh. Yeah. It's bad times. This seems a, yeah, I'd be like, that's a little too convenient. <laughs> yeah, right. it, it is weird that Ed Warren does all this religious provocation, and it just works enough that he can see this thing. Like, mm-hmm. if that thing has the power to be seen by humans, why wouldn't it just show itself to everyone? Yeah, yeah. No, I just, yeah, I feel like a lot of times when you have that, like, psychics or, like, mediums and stuff, they always pick up on things and just reiterate it. But they, when they yeah. reiterate it, you just want to believe. 
Yeah. Like, like I remember going to it. Uh, I did a tarot card reading and I told, and the lady asked me like any questions I was like, well, I'm going to a wedding and my ex is going to be there. So let's talk about that. She's like, okay. And then she drew a card and was like, oh yeah, he's definitely going to be there. And I'm like, you bitch, <laughs> I just fucking told you. Yeah. I went to Casadega once, which is, oh, yeah. have you heard of? About yeah, that place. I'm from Florida. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, it's close to Orlando and it's like the biggest community of psychics and mediums. Mm-hmm. At least in the United States, maybe in the world. But it's also not that big. You can just like walk through it. It's super touristy. Everyone has like a sign for the services they provide in the window. They most of them only take cash, but there is no ATM in town, which feels <laughs> like an oversight. Feels like something you could correct really easily just by mm-hmm having an ATM installed in the gift shop that is <laughs> right at the top of town. And me and my girlfriend at the time tried to go to one psychic and she was clearly so day drunk that it was just, <laughs> she was like, can you come back in an hour? And it was like, it's noon. Why? Like what's going on? And we just never went back. And then we went to another woman who was clearly a scam artist. It was great. It was, it was really great. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> well, I think uh, that was like, um, I mean, they touched base on it in that movie 300 where they would get the virgins. They would have the virgins get drunk and give them drugs. And then they would just start saying all these prophecies. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> I think that's the same. That She was just following that same ancient te- <laughs> technique of getting in touch with your subconscious. By getting hammered at noon. (laughs) She just overdid it a bit. In Florida, in Orlando, I think the best psychic I went to, my sister went to her. And uh, she was like this older woman. And she was like, oh, she's amazing. You got to go see it. And my mom went. And my mom was very skeptical. So she went in poker face. And uh, the lady was like, I see like little faces around you. Little faces, you know. And so she told like my sister and I that, and, and my sister's like, oh my God, she's talking about the pugs, all the pugs you own. <laughs> <laughs> and I just feel like it's like that idea of like, if you want to believe you can make sense of, you know, tie everything in like, oh, I had this crazy dream of a jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> and then like five years later, someone breaks out a jigsaw puzzle and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> I yeah. had the same premonition. Yeah, so that's the Warrens, basically. Yeah. Also, <laughs> as we find out later on. Right, they just prey on gullible women. And speaking of that, Ed decides they need to get the Catholic Church involved in young David's case. Mm-hmm. And he tells the family to start documenting everything so he can present it to a local archbishop. They buy audio recorders and a Polaroid camera. Those audio recordings do sound pretty crazy yeah but just because you don't expect a kid to be screaming the kind of things that he's screaming (laughs) i mean you clearly never met a kid with Tourette's at at one point this is later on during the exorcism at one point he screams at one of the priests and says fat dick pork chop <laughs> yeah, I remember like is, that. Is fat dick supposed to be an insult? <laughs> yeah, right. That's the a priest weird. is like, oh, shut up, shut up, Johnny. <laughs> he 
<laughs> he's clearly possessed. I don't know how he knows what my dick looks like. <laughs> I think that's how. That's why the the Catholic Church is so big on exorcisms and demon possessions. That's their way to cover up the pedophilia that's been happening. Exactly. Right? They're like, how does how does my my little boy know all these sexual positions and terms? Like, Must be the devil. Got to be the devil. Got to yeah, be. Yeah. <laughs> I I wish we could have heard more from the dad in the fuck off hat. <laughs> I also would like to have that fuck off hat, which yeah. I'm sure I could find that online. But yeah, the we we find out about halfway through this that the dad of this family, like he was there, he was around for all of this, and he was just like, I think this is bullshit. Like I think yeah. at one point just clearly says, well, I. I think our kids having like a mental health crisis and they're like, nah, the devil. And it's like, I don't know. And they're really dismissive of it. Like the brothers that they interview in this. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like you could have looked into that a little more. Like, you yeah, right. Like, it seems like the only time a doctor was involved was to confirm this kid was healthy enough to go through an exorcism. <laughs> there was never yeah. like any mental health professional called which that's concerning no definitely i mean did they have mental health did they believe in mental health back then (laughs) i mean just barely it was well no this was the 70s right yeah or like early 80s either way yeah just barely it it would have been around the time reagan was shutting down mental health institutions though oh yeah, yeah so maybe not i don't know maybe i love the detail about how there's a ton of paperwork that you have to fill out to get an exorcism. Oh, that's when they got approved for a minor exorcism. <laughs> yes. Just a minor one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not a big production. No lights, no smoke machines. Yeah. The basic stripped down acoustic exorcism. Yeah. You don't get no house call. You have to come <laughs> to us. <laughs> yeah. They have to go to a church. I love that the guy who shows up to do the exorcism is driving a red Porsche. <laughs> I mean, that shows you he's God's chosen man, right? Exactly. He's been blessed with that beautiful engine. Yeah, I don't know if they still do it, but the Vatican used to hold like an annual exorcist training boot camp thing. Really? And I think they still do it. I think like it's a few hundred people every year. Yeah. I, gotta try I think they do. I watched that movie, Pray for the Devil or something. I think that's what it's called. I have not that's seen that. Oh, it was terrible. But <laughs> I had my suspicions. Yeah. Be. But yeah, it took place in modern time. So they show up for this exorcism. It's at a church. And David says he blacked out once everyone started praying. Mm-hmm. The room turns ice cold. David starts growling and hissing. And this is when he calls the priest fat dick pork chop. <laughs> and the audio is pretty intense. Just again, because it's weird to hear a kid sounding like that. Yeah. But they don't seem like sounds a human couldn't make. Mm-hmm. Like there's no like weird echo or anything on his voice. Like none of that shit. Yeah. It's not like the movie at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> also, man, I did notice I had no idea that David was a, uh, a was a sturdy little boy. In the movie, <laughs> he's played by a very a svelte young <laughs> kid. Yeah, so there's fat phobic Hollywood for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. David David was a, a husky lad. 
they could have portrayed him that way. Mm-hmm. They claim they put a crucifix on his forehead and it started to sizzle. Yeah. And it doesn't look like that from the pictures. But. No, it doesn't. There's no imprint either. I was looking for that too. Yeah, you'd think you'd want to snap a photo of that or maybe yeah, get- video. Because mm-hmm. it's not like this predates video cameras. We've had those since at least the Kennedy assassination. Yeah, yeah. Plus, like, if there is, like, you know, sizzling, you can capture steam and smoke on a Polaroid. Yeah, yeah. And that's like, yeah, that's the stuff that you'd want to be like, look, see, we're not lying. Give us more money. Instead, it's just pictures of them holding this fat kid down. Yeah. (laughs) You're just documenting child abuse at that point. Maybe. (laughs) And so Arnie claims during all of this, that he tells the demon to leave David alone and take him instead. And David just immediately snaps out of it, mm-hmm. which whoops for one thing, if yeah. this really is a demon. And it's at this point that I realized this documentary is way better than the movie that <laughs> it is supposed to be covering. Mm-hmm. And that's before I realized it was going to turn on the Warrens at some point because Lorraine during all of this, after Arnie basically takes the demon spirit out of David, Lorraine is highly concerned. She calls a local cop or something and is like, I'm afraid that boy is going to stab somebody. (laughs) And so fast forward to Arnie and Debbie moving into their new apartment And there's a quote from Lorraine Warren. When you challenge the demonic, it doesn't act at that particular time. It waits for when you're at your most vulnerable, and then it strikes. Damn, the devil sounds like a little bitch. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Fucking stalker-ass creep. Right? So February 16th, 1981, two short days after Valentine's Day, five months after the exorcism, Arnie wakes up that day feeling a little ill. And I'm like, oh, shit, he's going to stab somebody, huh? (laughs) And sure enough, Alan Bono, who they kind of at first just describe as Debbie's boss at her grooming job. Mm -hmm. But he's also Arnie's landlord. Well, he's their landlord, I guess. And they're all hanging out that day. And Arnie says at lunch, Alan is getting super hammered. He wants to leave because he has his sisters with him and Alan's getting out of control He says they get up to leave and start walking down the stairs. And Arnie says he doesn't remember anything after that. And it turns out he stabbed the shit out of Alan Bono during Mm -hmm. a fight. And David says he had visions of all this and realized that Arnie was possessed by the devil. Yeah. And that he also had visions that Arnie was heading back for their house to to kill him, kill them, which he might have just been going back home you know (laughs) exactly just to hide the murder weapon (laughs) might have been in a little bit of shock over what he had done that's possible or the devil i don't know man it's funny because the movie makes the guy alan that he kills look like the biggest asshole in the world (laughs) and like even made him look abusive like he was going to like hit debbie or something and so then when he dies you know, the guy gets possessed and kills him. I remember being like, but this is a good thing. The devil's doing the thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I'm on the devil's side on this one. He had to go. <laughs> you know? 
<gasps> yeah. And so an ambulance driver spots Arnie and he ends up getting arrested and he gets to the police station and he's like, I don't remember anything uh-huh. about this. And it's like, yeah, that must be the devil then. It couldn't possibly be that you were super fucking drunk yeah. and stabbed someone during a fight. I'm, I mean, look at all the interviews of like, uh, of Donald Trump being, uh, interviewed like do you remember doing this no i don't remember doing that no 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 i guess the devil's uh possessing donald too (laughs) well that wouldn't surprise me at all that would be that would be a fun bit of irony for all those fucking evangelicals (laughs) that love trump so much oh that would actually be the only good outcome possible (laughs) trump is secretly the devil yeah but yeah it just doesn't like I don't know. Not to not to question, you know, the devil's plan. Sure, sure, of course. Well, like if I wanted David's soul, why? It, it just well, I don't understand jumping bodies, and then I'm gonna possess this guy, and then I'm gonna kill this little kid after I kill this other person who's probably not stopping me from doing it. You know? Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but at least the devil never does. <laughs> So, so yeah, he gets to the, the police station. He's like, I don't remember any of this. He ends up going on trial, and sure enough, his defense is, well, the devil made me do it. I love all the footage of his defense attorney talking about meeting the Warrens because he has this permanent look on his face like he doesn't believe anything anyone has ever said in his entire mm-hmm. life. But he finally comes around to his point, and he's like, it all seemed credible to me. It's like, damn, that came from that face, huh? <laughs> like, he's just trying to get a paycheck, man. <laughs> and that's the point where we find out this defense has been used three times prior to this successfully every time. And then here comes the twist. I, I really like how they do this. It reminded me of the first Purge movie. I don't know if you remember all of the plot points of that movie, but uh, spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen it. Have you seen The Purge? I haven't, and I probably won't. So So yeah, spoiler, at the very early parts of the movie, right before the purge starts and before all of the defenses in Ethan Hawke's house come down and keep everybody out, their do-gooder son lets this guy in who was outside getting chased by people who wanted to kill him as soon as the purge started. And their son lets this guy in the house. And everyone's freaking out. I think Ethan Hawke shoots at him, and the guy like, runs off into the night. But then Ethan Hawke has other problems because the purge is happening. So you forget all about that guy. And then at the end of the movie, when shit seems the most dire for Ethan Hawke, who comes back, that guy who they let in the house early on and he fucking starts shooting the bad guys and it's great. That's Carl in this movie. Carl is one of the three brothers that we meet up top. And then Carl is like, fuck this shit. And then he's gone for most of the documentary. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back at the end and he's like, listen, this is all bullshit. Yeah. There's no demonic possession. An innocent man died. This is all bullshit. And I was like, fuck yes, Carl. Cause I was <laughs> worried this was going to be just a pro Ed and Lorraine Warren kind of thing. Yeah. I thought so too. So I'm really happy that that came out. And then like all the other stuff that they revealed was like, what? (laughs) That's insane. Yeah. One of the first things he points out is that during these interviews with 
David, Ed Warren would like ask David about his, you know, feelings and his possessions. And then with the entire family in the room with David, he would look at them and go, yeah, you know, sometimes he'll like start cursing at you or spitting at you. And he's like saying all these things that, well, if he's possessed, these are the things you're going to see in the next few days. And Carl is like, I heard that. David heard that. David knew what he needed to do in the next few days to make it seem like he was possessed by a demon. Yeah. And it like when you think about it, that is like that's a police tactic. Like mm-hmm. that's such an old school thing. Like it's illegal. Like if a court finds out a cop did it and like it can be conclusively proven, like you can get confessions thrown out over that shit because it's super manipulative. Yeah. And this kid had already proven he wanted to like be possessed by the devil. Mm -hmm. And they were just telling him how to act to make it seem like he was. Yeah. I love that. I think it was around this time too. They showed a photo when he was like, yeah, we were just a app. We weren't really an average family or a happy family or we're, you know, and then there was like a photo of David sitting next to his mom smoking a cigarette and he's shirtless. <laughs> mom smoking a cigarette. And I was like, oh, that checks out. All right. Like, <laughs> I like the part. I mean, granted, don't hit your kids. But <laughs> Carl talks about a part where his dad, who again was very skeptical of all of this, like Carl's opinion was that they were putting on an act basically. Mm-hmm that was orchestrated by their mom. And it seems like maybe the dad was of that opinion too. Mm -hmm. And Carl describes this moment where in the middle of one of these freakouts that would just happen on cue every night when the Warrens would show up, it would just like start like clockwork. And Carl Mm -hmm. again describes it as a show during one of these. And there's audio of this. David like calls his mom a cunt or something like that. And the dad just comes storming out, lifts him up, smacks him in the face and says, sit down. Now I'm telling you to do it. They cut back to Carl and he goes, and the devil sat down, (laughs) which that that is, I mean, that's alarming, but that is also pretty damning. No, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. You think the, the devil's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cross. I crossed the line. My bad. Yeah, the like, devil's oh, like, oh, dad always overreacts. God, I fucking hate him. I can't believe it. The devil's like, oh, man. All right, I'll go soon. Time out. <laughs> but once my 10 minutes is over, I'm raining hell down on you guys. <laughs> and yeah, Carl's like, at least someone listened to my father. Yeah, right. <laughs> but no, that was a, a, a good point that like, that you know, Carl was just like, yeah, they would just bring this recording equipment and when he's freaking out instead of saying like oh let's help him the first instinct is oh yeah get a good good shot (laughs) set him up like wait the lighting's bad bring him over here (laughs) yeah and that's the thing like the dad running out into the room and giving him a slap across the face that's obviously child abuse but so is this like 100 percent, yeah so is what's happening to this kid Mm mm-hmm And Carl also adds that Arnie was very possessive of Debbie and that there was a rumor that she was having an affair with Alan Bono. 
mm-hmm. and that maybe that played a role in him committing this murder. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, he goes on trial and his defense is demonic possession. And yeah. the first day of the trial, mom and dad give Carl money to just skip school and go do whatever he wants. And he's like, they didn't want me there. They didn't want me speaking the truth. <laughs> it's like, all right, you were a kid. I don't think you had much say in that either way. Mm-hmm. But the judge rules immediately that demonic possession is not a credible defense. Mm-hmm. And so then they switch to self-defense, which yeah. that's a weird turn. Like at no point had he mentioned this being self-defense, told the police he could not remember a single bit of what yeah. happened, but now it's self-defense. Yeah. It's- no, I, yeah, I feel like as soon as he started seeing, like Arnie, as soon as he started seeing that people were interested in David and like all that, you know, I think that's when he started being like, oh, maybe I can hatch a scheme now to kill Alan, get him out of the picture. <laughs> oh, that would, be a, that would be a long con. I think it's because it didn't ha- it didn't like it wasn't like years after. And then it happens. This happens right after Valentine's Day, two mm. days after Valentine's Day. And all he had to do was set it up, just be easily, you know, oh, take me instead, devil. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what the hell? What attachment did he have to this kid anyway that he was like, oh, I'm going to be the martyr. I'm going to sacrifice myself for this little boy. Yeah, it was just his girlfriend's brother. Yeah. (laughs) Weird. Weird. The self-defense thing kind of works. He ends up getting sentenced to manslaughter instead of murder. Mm -hmm. But the judge is also like, I'm giving you the maximum sentence possible. You are a fucking asshole. Yeah. And... He was in prison until like 86 or was that when he was sentenced to prison? I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember either. But he eventually gets out and he and Debbie get back together. That part is actually pretty sweet. They got married while he was in prison. (laughs) Well, yeah, because the one she wanted is dead now. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, mom starts hitting the TV show circuit with Ed and Lorraine Warren after the conviction. Nothing weird or gross about that. And it's all about telling the world how Arnie was innocent because he was possessed by a demon. Yeah. That made him stab a guy in the chest four times. They were very precise stab marks. Yeah, they were too. Like it it looked like a calling card. <laughs> it's great. It was a- very uh, a, a premeditated self-defense. <laughs> yeah. So this is where Carl starts talking about the book deal, mm-hmm. which this is if like if people are wondering, OK, well, how did the Warrens scam people? This is how they come to town. These people have reached out to them. So they're already preconditioned to believe they are having the type of problems that the Warrens claim to fix. Mm-hmm. Ed Warren shows up probably using tactics he learned in the fucking military or something and interviews these kids in a way that guides them toward what they need to do to display actual signs of demonic possession. And then he gets the Catholic church involved even better. If you can get some sort of like doctor or official body, like a court to sign off on it, having been demonic possession. And at that point, You can write a book and maybe Mm -hmm. that book will get turned into a movie. And 
That's what the Warrens did in this case. They brought this family a contract, and the mom was like, do I need to have a lawyer look at this? Lorraine Warren was like, no, there's a floor full of lawyers back where they wrote this. And like facts, but those are lawyers working for Lorraine Warren and not, yeah, yeah. not this young mom signing this contract. So the family ends up making $4,500 on this book deal. And the Warrens end up making a little over 80000 mm-hmm. And that's just on the book deal because this was eventually turned into The Conjuring 3, which the Warrens estate, I'm sure, continues to make a shit ton of money over. Mm-hmm. So this kid wasn't possessed by the fucking devil. Yeah. <laughs> he was possessed by Ed and Lorraine Warren. Basically. No, 100%. Yeah, anytime someone tells you, if you ask, do I need a lawyer? And they're like, nah, get a lawyer. Get a lawyer. Absolutely get a lawyer. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then it's it's crazy, too, that about the, um, I mean, can we mention this, that she was drugging the kid? Well, yeah. At the end, Carl talks about how after his mom died, he and his wife went in and like they were kind of in charge of figuring out what to do with all her belongings. And he was going through her stuff. And it turned out she kept really meticulous records of pretty much everything she did in life. And he notices one of her notes mentions that the family has their medicine. And he was like, oh, what the fuck is that supposed Mm -hmm. to be? And he starts looking around more in her notes. And it turns out she had been basically drugging the family's meals with Sominex. For a long, long time, because, you know, if you want to have a chill night to yourself, great way to do it is drug the entire family so they go to bed early Yeah, yeah. and you can stay up and party. And he said she would always like cook separate food for herself and all this weird shit. And it turns out one of the side effects of Sominex is hallucinations if you use it for an extended amount of time. So David was being drugged by his mom. And the Warrens showed up and turned it into a demonic possession case so they could make money off this family. Mm -hmm. Ooh, gross. Gross. That's just, okay. I will admit I've been guilty of that. I I used to have a cat that was very unruly at night. So I got some children's Benadryl and watered it down and gave it to the cat. I only did it one time. And then after that, he wouldn't let me put anything in his mouth. (laughs) So I'm not saying she's right. I'm just saying I get it. (laughs) Yeah. You didn't Uh, do it over the course of six months until your cat was seeing Jesus. Right. And then I kind of got in a book deal. God, I just kept it up. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you imagine, man, if only Roseanne Barr said that the devil made her tweet that stuff instead of Ambien, she could still be on Roseanne probably. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Middle America loves that kind of shit. Exactly. So you think America's treasure, Roseanne Barr, would actually tweet that stuff? No, it was the devil. Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, in conclusion, fuck the Warrens. That, Mm -hmm. I think, is the general tone of this documentary and... I concur. They yeah. they were a problem. Like they were a couple of fucking scammers and they don't deserve to be a beloved movie franchise. Also, those movies suck. <laughs> they suck. I know. And they were nowhere near that attractive as they are in the movie. Oh, no, <laughs> definitely not. Well, I mean, for one thing, they were super old. Like what? 
why not? Like, what's that all about? What's with the ageism? Why doesn't the Conjuring franchise, why isn't it not led by two fucking silver foxes? <laughs> well, I think they just, they knew like, oh, this is a good cash cow. We need to have these young people. So that way, you know, tw- they can keep making like 50 of these movies without the actors dying. <laughs> Here's how you fix the Conjuring. Have the Bidens play Ed and Lorraine Warren. <laughs> then I'm in. Then I'm in. Oh my God. That'd actually be hilarious. Can you imagine Joe <laughs> Biden being in like a horror movie? He's like, uh, now, uh, 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 get, uh let me, let me, uh, <laughs> just. Hey, hey, get out of this boy, Jack. <laughs> right? What a bunch of malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that's our episode. Elise, thank yeah. you so much for doing the pod. I appreciate yes. it. Thank you for having me. It's so much fun as always. Uh, what do you got to plug before we get out of here? Oh, boy. Uh, well, you can follow me on my Instagram, Twitter, and everything at the Big Golgowski. But I'm on TikTok at Eliski. I post a bunch of fun comedy sketches and clips if you're into that sort of thing. Who's um, not? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, just look out for some of my roast battles and comedy shows coming up on there. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um. You can follow me at adamtodbrown.substack.com if you want to read my writings. Uh, and at Adam Todd Brown on Instagram. Nah, that's it. That's it for now. There'll be other stuff coming up soon. Uh, and that's it. Let's get the fuck out of here. Elise, say goodbye. Bye, everyone. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. <laughs> <laughs>